This morning is the uh, first Sunday in February, so we're starting a new uh, theme, study theme for our Sunday mornings, and it's going to be in his image and in his likeness. Amen. In his image and in his likeness. And our core scripture is from Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. We're so glad to see a couple of people we hadn't seen for a little bit, Sister Diane and Brother Tim. Amen. We're so grateful that they're here. Amen. Grateful to Brother Joe. I know he's been putting in some hours working on our, our bathroom. Amen. And uh, most of all, I'm grateful for the presence of Almighty God. Amen. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. Amen. You know, today what I'm trying to present in this month is what we were called to be. Amen. Most of us don't realize what we were called to be, what God's intent and purpose was for us. So we're going to take the next four Sundays, and this Sunday we're going to look at the first image. The first image. Then we're going to look at something you might not quite understand at the moment, the full dimension, because an image sometimes, when we look at a shadow, it's only two dimensions, right? But there is a fullness of an image that God wants us to be. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at the false image. We know a lot about that. We know in Revelation there is a false image set up that demands worship. And then we're going to look at the last image. Amen. And I I believe that God is going to speak to us in these uh, lessons and to help us to build faith. Because the Bible says that faith comes by and hearing. Amen. And so it's not going to be altogether my words, but... We're going to take the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about this topic. And of course, well, we, always, we, we almost always start in Genesis, and we're going to look at our purpose. In Genesis 1:26, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. I really don't think... And even though I kind of know it, it's still hard for me to grasp to really believe it as, as much as I should, what God created us to be. It kind of seems impossible, but if we were to take the scripture as read, it's amazing. We were created, the first man, Adam, was created truly to be God's son. In our image and in our likeness. If somebody's in your image and in your likeness, they look like you. If they're in your image, they look exactly like you. If they're in your likeness, they behave like you. Right? They're going to have the same mannerisms like you. They're going to be almost indistinguishable from you. Amen. And of course, I've highlighted some words there. We were created to be in his image after our likeness. And then let them have dominion. Dominion, and I've taught a lot about that. And we have come such a long way to lose that dominion that was originally given. So verse 26 is telling what God planned to do. Verse 27 is what God then did do. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. And when we look at the Genesis story of creation, it's divided really into three parts. Chapter 1 is creation out of nothing, out of nothing in the Hebrew, it's, um, it's bara, out of nothing. And in chapter 2, it's creating or forming. And some different words are used in, in chapter 2. And so people who don't understand that get confused and, see, and think there are two different creations going on. But we know that in his essence, the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. So the first thing that was created in Genesis 1 out of nothing was our spirit man, our soul. We were created as an image of God and after his likeness. And in Genesis 2 is when he took the dust, something he had already created, and formed a physical body into which he put 
that soul and then covered the whole thing with his spirit. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them. There's nothing more great than if God blesses you. God blesses you. There's nothing more great that can happen to you. If God says you're blessed, ooh, that is such such a declaration. Amen. I remember in the scripture when Isaac had blessed Jacob, and he's and Esau came along and said, "Is there nothing you can do?" He says, "No. What I've blessed him with can't be can't be taken." The Bible says that the 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 gifts of God are without repentance and are not revocable. Amen. They're, they're irrevocable. God's blessing uh, 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 and, and, and declaration when it's a sovereign, unconditional is irrevocable. And that's why Israel, uh, some remnant of Israel will be saved. So God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Anything that moved Adam had dominion over it, dominion and, and power over it, and rulership, in other words. That's what dominion means. But what was God's purpose? What was God's purpose and intent? And some of this may be review. What was God's purpose and intent in creating us? What was his long-range plan? I, I'll throw that back on you and ask you, why do you have children? <laughs> It's not because they're going to make you rich. It's not because they can do something for you. I mean, no one plans to have children so that in the long term they can, you know, do something for you. At least most people don't. Why did you have children? If you chose to have children, why did you choose to have children? Well, I'll tell you why God chose to have children. To show his love. He needed to express his nature. I'm going to look at that a little bit late, uh, later on in this. He needed to express who he was. And that's the reason why he had some children. That's why he created us. And we're going to look at that. It's because he wanted to express his love. He wanted to show his glory. And we're going to look at that too. So the first image was meant, God, God created Adam as a vessel of God's glory. As a, you were created to be a vessel of God's glory. I, I tell you, if you could grab hold of that thought and really meditate upon it, that you were created to be the pinnacle of God's creation. It was not until the sixth day that he said things were very good. Everything else he said was good, but when he finished on the sixth day, he said it was very good because now he had a vessel in which to express his love. That's what Adam lost was that position of sonship where God had determined that he was going to make him a vessel of his glory. Amen. Let's look at some of that scriptures to show that. First Corinthians 11 verse 7 says, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image of and glory of God. Now, when I look in the mirror, I don't see too much glory of God. <laughs> I don't see too much glory of God. I see, I see things turning different colors and uh, lines starting to appear. It, it doesn't look too much like the glory of God. Because we have here a fallen body. A, a body that is subject to decay and the curse. But when Adam was created, he was I'm sure he was the finest human specimen ever made because that's all God can do. God cannot create second best. You know, we've seen some great sculptors like uh Leonardo da Vinci and uh, I forgot the other Italian one who made David. Maybe it was um Michelangelo. And they were hailed as great sculptors of the human body. But that's nothing. You see, you know, these bodybuilders that, uh, you know, they use all kinds of stuff to get themselves in that way. But when God created Adam, he was the perfect creation. Similarly, when he created Eve, she was the perfect creation. Because we were created to be the image, the pinnacle of God's creation. I, I guess 
I'm saying it, but I still think we don't really understand that. What that truly means. That we were created to be the vessel of God's glory. If we understood that, that should give you a warm and fuzzy feeling. (laughs) That God wanted to, the reason why he created you was to be able to pour out his love. To show his infinite greatness and love and grace. Romans 1.18 says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with, what does it say? The glory which shall be revealed in us. See, God's ultimate plan is to fulfill his will that he started with in Genesis of being able to have a son and a daughter in which he could just pour his love, pour his glory. You know, you ever been proud of your children and want to say, that's my son, that's my daughter. That's exactly what God did when Jesus came out of the water. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Finally, he had a son on which the glory, a human, a physical form in which he could pour out his glory. And that is his intent and plan for us, that we become vessels of his glory. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, I, I think that's just worthy of taking a moment and meditating. That God so loved us, John 3, 16, that he gave his only, so that's whomsoever should, come on, fill in the blanks. Amen. His will is that we be his inheritance. We were created for him so that he could show it. Not so much, yes, we worship him, but out of gratitude and thanks. But that's not why we were created. God is not like um, an egotist. God is not an, he, he didn't create us just to be pouring worship to him, though we should because of what he's done. But he created us so that he could pour into us. And what he's going to pour into us is so much more greater than whatever we could give to him. Do you understand that? Amen. Amen. Let's look some other scriptures. 1 Peter 5.1 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker. We need to be partakers of what does it say? The glory that shall be revealed. To understand that when we get that final new body, it's going to be glorious. In Daniel, it says the wise shall shine. We're going we're gonna to be so bright. You're not going to be able to see me. What you're going to be able to see is the glory of God. Moses got a taste of it. When he went up on the mountain and he was in God's presence for 40 days, when he came back, he glowed. So much so that they were scared of him. He was afraid they would be, a, be scared. He, he glowed so much they had to put a veil over him. Jesus revealed what this is going to be like when he took his three disciples up. The Bible said he transfigured. That means he, for just for an instant, he showed what a son of God really looks like. Brighter than the stars. They could not look at him. The Bible said his clothes became white as as snow and and, and glowed so brightly. See, that's what Adam and Eve were created for and with, the glory of God. Let's look at another scripture which is explicit. Isaiah 43, 7. Even everyone that is called by my name. Lift your hand if you've been called by his name. Here's the reason why he created you. For I created him for my glory. Not to... to, 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 uh, People misread the scripture. What it's really saying, to pour my glory into so that you could be the vessel of my glory. Not that God is wanting to boast about how great he is in that sense, but that he could pour his glory into you. For I have created him for my glory. In other words, you are, were created to be a vessel of his love, a vessel of his grace, so that he could pour out his love into you and his glory upon you. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Isn't that awesome? That that's what our purpose was created for. So that God could show us love. Amen. And we, as again, we see this exemplified when Jesus uh, started his ministry and was baptized by John. 
He came up out the water and the voice said, this is my beloved son. Beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And what I'm trying to tell you is that if you've been baptized, if you are on the journey, the same words apply to you. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Now, understand, Jesus had yet done nothing. All he had done was set the example of being what? Baptized, born again. And the father declared, as he declares over us, the moment we come to him, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Do you understand the symbolism? Now, Jesus didn't need this. But he did this, he said to John the Baptist, suffer it so to fulfill all righteousness. Yes, I, I know I don't need to be baptized, but I'm here to set an example. I'm, I'm here to set a symbol. I'm here to fulfill the scripture. So it's just like a baby when they're born. And I've said this so many times. When do you start loving your baby? The moment it's born. If you're a good parent, right? They picked that up and said, look how beautiful this baby is. Isn't she gorgeous? Isn't he wonderful? Look, he's so, he's so perfect. And all the baby can do is wail and cry and make noise and make a mess. But that baby is the object of love of the parents at that moment. That's the focus. Love. When we are born in Christ, that's exactly the words that... The Bible says heaven does what? Rejoice. Rejoice. Heaven rejoices. If heaven's rejoicing, that means you're the object of his love. I'm going to keep saying that till we get it. Till you get some joy about that. If you start believing that, that you are the object of his love. And we are not walking according to where we should be. When I was trying to put this story together, I was trying to find a story that I could give as an example of what I mean. But really what it is, what has happened... It's as if we were born to a king, but we were stolen as a baby and taken out to live in some village with nothing. And we don't realize our true inheritance, right? That we are actually a child of a king. We were born to be a king and a prince and, a, and, and all of the things God says, kings and priests, but we were kidnapped, we were hijacked and we were turned into slaves in some peasant village. That's what's happened. And we don't realize our inheritance and our genealogy and what our true inheritance was supposed to be. See, Satan stole our inheritance and substituted himself to be the God of this world when truly it should have been us. Remember what it says, and gave him dominion over everything that ever was upon this planet that could move. That included Satan. But he got jealous and he stole us and put us in somewhere else and told us we were nothing and nobody. And we lost our belief, we lost our faith, and we lost the understanding of who we were. Isaiah 43, 7 is to remind us who we are. Even everyone that is called by my name. When you're born into that family, you become part of that family. And when you take on that, when a child is born, one of the first things they do is they start to fill out what? Birth certificate. The nurse will come into the parents and say, okay, what is his name? What is his name? And they know the last name. It's going to be the family name, right? Because the Bible says the, the whole family in heaven and earth is named after this name. And immediately, as Jesus came up out of the water, the voice said, this is my beloved son. I want to stay on this page. I want to reemphasize that you are beloved. Satan stole you and put you in, in, in slavery, the bondage of sin, and told you you were nothing and that you were nobody and that you, you couldn't amount to anything. But yet, you have the lineage of king. Yet you were called to be a king and a priest. Even everyone that is called by my name. Now, if we would go to the end of the book, we, we're going to see the revelation. Because God cannot be defeated. His plan has only been hindered and delayed a little bit. But in the end, we win. 
in Revelation 4.3, and he that sat upon to look, you know John's vision. In Revelation 1st three chapters, we're dealing with the churches. But in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it says, and he heard a voice and a door was opened in heaven. He was told to come up. Now God is going to show him some things. God is going to show the reality of what the plan is about. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, some of the definitions of some of these ancient names for gems have been lost, but they believe that jasper refers to a diamond, a white diamond. And there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. So the reality behind the image, see, the image only happens when there is light. You understand that? You cannot see an image unless there is light. So there has to be a light for there to be an image, whether it's a a shadow or even a, a, a statue. still requires light. As you can see, nothing. So the reality behind the image is being going to be shown to us in Revelation. We were created to reflect his glory. That's how a diamond is cut so that when the light hits it, it, it reflects the glory. Then you see the beauty of the diamond by how it's cut because when it's cut the right way, it's brilliant. It's, it, the light that comes in is split and it, and it shines and glows. And that's what makes a diamond valuable is the fact that it can reflect the light. John seventeen twenty two. If you didn't have enough scriptures of what I'm trying to tell you, here's another one. If you didn't believe what I'm saying, here's another one where Jesus himself says so. And the glory which thou gavest me, what does he say? I have given them. Now you're going to say, well, wait a minute. I don't see it. It is coming. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus went down to the slave market and he bought us back. That's what the whole book of Hosea is about. How Hosea went and bought back this, this woman, and married her. Do you understand? By right, that should have been our inheritance, but we were sold into sin. That's what Paul is saying. And the image was lost. The image was destroyed. And the, but Jesus came to restore, the begin to restore that first image. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one now. That's a very, very deep scripture. Think about what what that scripture says. If we take it at face value, what is that scripture trying to tell us? Can we be that one with God? Can we be that homogeneous with God? Is that what that's saying? Because if it is, that's mind-blowing. Satan would not like us to really believe that. No, you can't be. Look at you. You're a mess. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, why did I put that scripture? Let's go back one, and I want to show you the glory. And he that sat upon, was to look upon, in other words, like a diamond. And there was a rainbow around the throne in sight. Now, that's the glory that Jesus revealed to John. This is what Jesus said in in John 7. He says, that same glory, that same glory I have given to them. Not to everyone. Only those that are going to be under his name. Only those that are born into the kingdom. Only those are going to have the image restored. Only those who have come back from the slave market. Only those who have been redeemed. Even as we are one. Is that possible? Can we be that one? We know that Jesus and God are identical, right? What is Jesus trying to tell us here? That they may be one? Even as as close as we are one? So let's go a little bit deeper. What happened? How did this come about that Satan came in the middle of the night and stole us out of the crib? There have been stories of that happening where where babies were switched and they don't find out for years their true inheritance. 
That's what's happened to us. He tried to take away our inheritance. He tried to become the God of this world, to take dominion. Ezekiel 28, 14. And thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You understand why throughout the whole Bible is this concept of image and false image? That's why we're going to look at that. He's wanting to substitute the image that God created for us and in us for himself. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in him. He also was created with an image, but not the image of God. It was still glorious because, as I said, God cannot do anything that's not perfect. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created. God only creates perfect things till iniquity was found in thee. Because part of God's perfection is that we have the ability to choose. God cannot create something that is sentient or intelligent without also giving it free will. That's part of his perfection. And that ability then comes with the ability to return the love that he has given us or reject it freely. And that's why it is so important and that's why it is a perfection of creation that we have the ability to choose. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. And of course, it corrupted his brightness. And he went from being a son of light to being a a child of darkness. That's what happened to Satan. And because of his jealousy and his pride, he wanted to take our place. He wanted to take our place. That's what happened. He says, the Bible says, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created till Iniquity. He made a choice and he decided that why should those people, why should Adam and Eve be his son? I'm as beautiful. I'm as powerful. I should be the one that should rule. Paul in Romans explains what happened in Romans 5.12. He says, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world. Eve was deceived, but Adam chose. Eve was tricked, but Adam knew what he was doing. He chose. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. And the perfect image that God had created was marred and broken. And the glory could not stay any longer in such a marred vessel. You know, you can keep stuff in, a, in something as long as it doesn't have a hole in it. But... The moment you have a hole in it, stuff starts leaking out. The moment their vessel was pierced by doubt and unbelief, the glory of God departed. And then they saw they were naked. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world... But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. Because sin is a genetic defect. It's passed down. We'll see in Genesis 5 that when Adam and Eve had children, it said, in their likeness. Right? If you have a genetic defect, your children are most likely going to have the same genetic defect. Right? Whatever we have is what we pass down in our genes. So nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. God immediately put into place a plan of redemption. And it calls Jesus the figure of him that was to come because after man sinned and he lost that glory of God, that he lost his sonship. And there was not another son until the angel came and said, this night in Bethlehem is born a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. Satan knew he had free reign for about four or 5,000 years 
on this planet. But then he knew another son would come to take back the dominion. Amen. To take back the dominion, to restore us from that slave market, to destroy the works of the devil, to take away sin, to deal with the sin problem. So just as how by one man, death came by one man, Paul goes on to say, many are brought back to life. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. It was through sin then that we lost that first image. I, the other day I had some apple juice and I grabbed this plastic container and I was so thirsty and I poured it almost full. But I didn't realize it had a hole in it. <laughs> so I picked it up and I put it on the table. And then when I looked back on the table, I saw that there was apple juice. And then I realized, I looked at the table and it was coming out there too. You see, until you fix the hole, you're not going to be able to keep any of the glory in. God can pour into you and pour into you. But if you still have holes in you that you haven't taken care of, it's not going to stay. The Bible says that we're not to grieve the spirit of God whereby we are sealed. We're the only ones who can break the seal. Satan can't. We do it by disobedience and choice. So because of that, we lost that first image. And we see in Psalms 8, the writer David describing this. He says, what is man? And he uses the word enosh, which is, means mortal man. That thou art mindful of. God, why do you even care about us? You know why? Because we, we, we don't understand who we were created to be. If we look at ourselves now, you wonder what? God, I don't know about you. I, 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 I get up and I think, you know, there's 8,000 million other human beings on this planet. Do you love every single one of them? How can you love every single one of 8,000 million? And we can't love one or two people. <laughs> There's 8,000 million. I, 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 sometimes I expect, I say, Lord, you, every one of them right now, you know every single thing about them. You ever walked in a crowd and just be looking at people and thinking, wonder what their, what their story is? I do that. I'm, I'm weird. I, I look at people and I, I don't know them, never, just passing them. I'm sitting in a train and I see some. wonder what their story is. God, what, what background are they coming from, Lord? They, they were born and created for you to love them. You, were, you, you, you want that person over there to be saved. And yet because of man's fallen nature, many will not be saved. What is man? That thou art mindful. Lord, why do, you, why do you love me? What have I done? I'm, a, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. The son of man. And now he changes and uses a different word in the same verse. This time he says the, the word that's used is Adam, which is the original man. So what is mortal man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man, the son of Adam, which was the son of God, that you, that you pay attention, that you... You, you're, you're, you are involved, you care, that you care. What is this about? See, because it, it was not clear God's plan in the Old Testament. There were hints and there were glimpses, but they had no idea what God's real plan. They knew there was coming some Messiah. It's just like I taught the other day or preached the other day about God's name that was revealed to me. He, he said, by my name, Jehovah was I not known, not in the sense that I'm revealing it to you now, Moses. So we are the benefit of progressive revelation. Amen. We can see so much now of God's plan that was not unveiled at the time some of these scriptures were written. When David wrote this, he, his mind was so boggled because he knew the depravity of man. He knew the depravity of his own self. He says, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother, he looked at himself and he couldn't understand, God, why did, you, why did you call me a shepherd's boy to be king? See, we can, if, it's, the reason is we don't understand because we don't really understand where we came from. The reason is he came back to bring us back. The scripture says God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. It's because we don't know who we are. 
If we knew we were a prince and a king, then we would understand why God is going through so much trouble. Scripture says for a good man, somebody might die. But for a a terrible, stinking murderer, rapist, who is going to do that? Who is going to do that? This shows you the love of God, the grace of God, and what he's trying to do to restore our image and our sonship. See, Paul, Paul here, the writer here, is explaining something that's a revelation that is not really revealed until the book of Hebrews. But let's read on. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And you know from my teaching that that made was not original, but is speaking about the fall. When man sinned and when man lost the image of God, he was made lower. We know when he was made lower because in Genesis, I think, 4, God says, lest he stretch forth his hand and eat the tree and live forever. At that point, it was God's decision. He made us lower. Not because he wanted to. This was a painful thing for God. As revealed in, in Romans 28, it says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. In other words, that word means chaos, de- decay. Entropy is what the scientific word. As, so, as soon as we start to grow, past, past about 18, we, we've peaked. <laughs> We're not getting a lot of new cells after that. We're just starting to replace ones, and then finally even that stops. And then this thing we call aging begins. See, it was not God's will, but he said the, 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 the creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. God had to do this because this body is no good. And that's why David said, you know, I was shapen in iniquity. And he writes this psalm to say, why do you care about me? We're really hideous. <laughs> if we're honest. For you know, we're thinking some terrible thought about someone. And you have to say, Lord, why did I think that? That's such a terrible thought. For you made him subject to death. You made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. In fact, in Psalms, it's not really revealed why he was made lower. But those of you who have heard me teach this before know that it's revealed in Hebrews. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. It goes on to say in verse 6, Thou madest originally... Past tense, that we were made to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. That was God's original intent in Genesis 1. That was the glory of the first image, that we would be the rulers of this earth. The writer of Hebrews now gives us the full revelation. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. He's quoting from this. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And did set him over the works of thy hands. That was the image before the fall. Thou hast put all things in subjection. Now he switches to the restoration. And why we can't see the glory now. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. He's speaking about the son of God. But we are what? Heirs? And joint heirs. So this applies equally to us. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Although the decree has gone forth that we're going to destine to reign and rule, we don't see it being put into effect yet. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But what we did see was Jesus. And now he's applying Psalms 8 to Jesus. Because he too was a son of God, made lower, and now the reason for the making lower is explicitly revealed. Made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. What's this telling us is that before we were made lower, we were above the angels. The Bible says, are they not all, are they not all ministering, servants, in other words, sent forth to serve those that are the heirs of salvation. Heirs of salvation. That's what they were created. Their purpose was to serve. Every time we see in Luke when, when Jesus was tempted, it said that angels came and ministered unto him. 
I don't know if I've seen angels. I know I've told you my story when I had the accident and, and, and should have died. And the first two people, I don't know where they came from. He said he was an off-duty policeman and the other lady said she was an off-duty nurse. And they asked me, "How are you okay? Are you okay? First of all, they had to get me out of the car. They said, can you, can you get out the car? Because it was in the middle of 94 and there were semis coming down. And I, I had to look at myself. I think I can. And I got out. And then they led me to the side of the road. And then they disappeared. See, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him. Who was made a little lower for the purpose of suffering death. This body has got to die. Because it's the only way you're going to get a new one. Just like you can't wear two suits at the same time. Right? Paul, trying to describe the return of the image, he says there's a body that is terrestrial, there's a body that is celestial. The glory of one is not to be compared with the glory of the other. What I'm trying to tell you, saints, is that our citizenship is in heaven. Don't worry about down here. Because you can't inherit. You don't want to inherit anything down here. Amen? So this is who we've been called in Colossians 1 fitness, who is the image speaking about Jesus of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. In the NIV, it makes it explicit. The son is the image. That's what we are called to be, to return to, to be the image. We are, we are right now, the Holy Spirit is remaking us in his image and his likeness. Jesus was the express image, the completed image, the perfected image to show us what a son of God is supposed to be like and the dominion that a son of God has. He said, peace be still. And they had to obey. The disciple says, wow, what, what kind of person is this? He's a son of God. That even the winds and the waves obey him. That's what is revealed in the remaking of the image the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1, one says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days, say last days. That's what this is, last days. Spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world's. And that's what we are supposed to be because he told us we're going to be joint heirs. Boy, that was silent. Are you a joint heir? God's plan when he created Adam was that he would grow. God's plan when he created us is that we should grow into the fullness of of the Son of God into that perfect man, into that image, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We're going back to what God created so that the fullness of God's glory, what He's doing, in other words, He's, he's fixing all the holes. So that when He pours into us, we will be able to contain it unto the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth, again, I'm telling you it's about growth. Be no more children. Because if we're no more children, that means we're not going to be stupid, childish, not able to judge accurately, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love. Because you can speak the truth in anger, in hate, it may be the truth, but it's not the truth in love. If we speak the truth in love, the Bible says we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. As I said, God's purpose with the first image is the same purpose good parents have children. that choose. To, it's because they want to be able to pour their love and their energy and see that child be 
blessed and grow up and successful and something to love. I mean, why do people get dogs <laughs> or pets? Now, goldfish is a mystery because <laughs> don't know don't know how much love you can and affection you're going to get from that. But the reason why we we are driven, we have a an empty spot there that needs to be able to pour love and to receive love. We were created not to be alone. In Genesis, God makes that clear because it was we were not created to be alone. But that place should also be filled mostly with God. Not with things, not with uh, people per se, but with God's love. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. God is in, 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 in progression of restoring that image so that he can pour. That's why right now all we've got is the deposit. You know why? Because this is an old wineskin. Jesus said, if you put new wine into an old wineskin, what will happen? So this Holy Ghost that we have now is but a little tiny fraction of the glory that is to be revealed. Is to be revealed and we cannot contain it. This is just the deposit. Because we're an old wineskin. The, the mortal must put on immortality. And when that happens, then the fullness of the glory will be revealed. We'll we'll shine like the stars. That's what it says in Daniel. We shall shine like the stars. Uh, I was going to say something, but I'll I'll wait. (laughs) Sorry. The purpose of God tells us that God is love. And we have known and believed. See... If you believe someone loves you truly, then you trust them. Right? Even if they do something very strange, you trust them because they love me. They would never do anything knowingly to hurt me. Now, if you believe that, you can, you can endure a lot of stuff. Because you, you believe that whatever that person is doing, it's not because they're trying to hurt you. They're doing it for a purpose. Right? When you take your child to get an injection, it's not because you're trying to hurt them. It's, there's, a, there's a longer purpose in that. Because you're trying to save them. They may not understand it. Right? They may not understand it at the moment. Similarly, many things God does, we may not understand it. But if we absolutely rock bottom believe that he loves us, we're going to be able to get through it because we trust him. And we have known and believed The love that God hath to us. That's the question. Can you say amen to that one? Because what's Satan going to say? God doesn't love you or or else this couldn't have happened. Or that. See, that's what he's going to say. The way of getting through is to understand that God's purpose for us is grounded in his love. The things you have to do sometimes or make your children do is not because you hate them. It's because actually you love them. But at the time, they don't understand it or don't even believe it. If they believed it, they could endure it. Let me say that again. If you believe it, you can endure it. Repeat after me. If I believe it, I I can endure endure it. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you truly believe that God is remaking your image and that he loves you, as, as a mother, he says, loves a baby. In fact, more than that. If you truly believe that, then whatever you're going through, you have trust. And trust is what you build faith on. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Now, I'm saying all this because I want to get back to this image. But I want to show you God's image from which we are going to. So love is God's nature and his bottom Rock bottom essence of the nature of everything that motivates God is love. That's why he created us. So that he could pour his love and his glory and look at the creation that he had done and say, this is beautiful. This is my baby. This is my child. It's the same thing with the church. He's coming back for a beautiful church. He wants to say, this is my church. This is what I died for. This is what I gave my life for that I could redeem. That I could reconcile. 
all these people who had been stolen and their birthright robbed and their inheritance taken and bring them back and make them again kings and priests. That's what God's plan of love is. In the Old Testament it says his banner over me was love. I think that's probably the highest covering. You know, uh, we have many names for God. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tusakenu, Jehovah Nisi. That's the one. His banner over me was love. Tell your neighbor, his banner over me is love. Now, if you believe that, if you believe that, man, that's a shield that can go very far. We are returning to the image. And the reason is, is because his love. Amen. So God cannot be otherwise than love. So when anything strange happens to you, don't blame God. Do not blame God. Understand that something is happening because he loves you. You didn't get the job. It's because God loves you. (laughs) You had a flat tire. It's because God loves you. Right? It's because God loves you. Imagine if we had that attitude. In everything, give thanks. For this is the what? This is the will of God. Because it shows that we trust him and love him. If we can give thanks even in the things that we can't perceive. Because we believe. And we have known. I want to say it again. And we have known. See, you cannot persuade me that my wife doesn't love me. Right? And I believe I couldn't, someone couldn't persuade her that I don't love her. Why? Because we have known them. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is, this is the image, this is the light, amen, that comes from God. So God by nature, is love. Now, I'm, verse 839, Romans is going to be, a, I'm going to take that whole verse when I'm talking about, remember I said about the dimension? We're going to go into that very deeply because that's to do with the image in, in lesson three of this. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Don't know what those bells are. Maybe it's heavenly host. I don't know. There is a dimension you can get to in Christ that is, that is beyond. The Bible says that a peace that passes human understanding. Now, again, here is explicitly why God created us. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. In other words, in, in the Greek, that's charis. Another word for love towards us. The reason why we're going to need eternity is because it's going to take eternity for God to pour out his love on us. We can't comprehend that. We really can't because we are right now finite beings in finite physical forms. But the reason for eternity is found in Ephesians that in the ages, the eons, the eras, the epochs to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness. And it's translated kindness, but it's charis. It's, 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 it's love towards us through Christ Jesus. Here's the amazing thing about God. He can't change his nature. <laughs> he can't change from that. That is God default. He cannot be anything but who he is. That's the mystery of the name. I am that I am. Tell them the I am, the present tense. That's what he is. He's always who he is. God is not free to change his nature. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord. I change not. Because if I could change, then therefore you might be in trouble. Or more trouble. These sons of Jacob are not consumed. The difference between God and us right now, though, is that we can change. We are changeable. And I put there the three C's of life. Choices chances and changes. There's some things we don't have any choice about. Those are chances. And there there are changes. You, we're called to make a choice, to make a change, so that we can be on that road to restoration of that image. Amen? You must make a choice. 
God is not going to force us. As I said, his creation of perfection is to give us a choice. And that's what's so valuable. I've said it so many times. When we freely choose to love God, when we freely choose to believe him, when we freely choose, then we're on the step. We're starting to build back the image. We're starting to build back the image that he has called us to. So the way we change our nature is by changing our choices. Right? You know the, the funny joke, you know, you know, person hitting their head against the wall, why is it hurting me? Well, when you stop hitting your head. You know, we, we do the same things and expect a different result. If I keep eating, I won't lose weight. <laughs> right. It, we, we, we do things and we expect, we, we don't pray, we don't fast, we don't put God first in our lives and yet we expect God to just come in every time we want a hellfire to come down and miracles to happen. Doesn't work that way. You draw close to him, he draws close to you. See, right now some of us have to shout because he isn't that close. (laughs) Some of us have to shout. But we want God to suddenly show up and fix everything when we need him. We use him as a fire escape. So the first thing in getting back that image is we have to make a choice. We start by making choices. And they say in all of these behavioral books that if you keep making a choice, eventually what does it become? A habit. A habit. It becomes motor memory, right? They, they say that in exercise or in anything. You keep repeating it till you don't have to think about it. It's just automatic. Choices become habits. And if you keep doing a habit, you know what that becomes? Our character. Our ca- becomes part of our character. It's not even a thought whether I'm going to do that or not. No, there's no, 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 not even the slightest bit of temptation there because that's not something, uh, that's part of now my character. See, but this, those kind of changes can only truly be successful if it's with the Holy Spirit. So, and our character then, if maintained, will be, will be our destiny, right? Our image becomes that of Christ and that becomes our destiny, uh, Greg Boyd, the person who put it in that form, he's a, he's a Christian um, philosopher. And I like the way he said it. We start by making choices. Choices become habits. And habits, when done enough, become part of our character. And if we maintain our character, then that becomes our destiny. Our whole direction in life can be changed. Right? So it's, it's, and that can only be successful, though, through the Spirit. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world. A sculptor, when he's making an image, has to chisel away stuff, right? He has to take away some of the stuff that is marring the image. When they, when, I've heard that sculptors, when they look at a block of stone, they see the image inside of it. And, and what they're doing is revealing it by taking away things. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And this is such a, a well-known scripture by the renewing of our mind. And when we do that, then we will be able to see clearly what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we don't, in a a modern translation, translation it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing. So all of this transformation to the image can only be done successfully through God's spirit. When we welcome his spirit, when we run after God, when we, we, when we pursue him, when we, when we return the love to God, when we, when we want to be in his house, when we want to, to, to be in his presence, when we entertain the Holy Spirit, this is when transformation really starts to happen. Who is this son? Who is this image? Well, Hebrews begins to explain a little bit better in detail about this son and explaining what it is we fell from. As I said, the writer of Hebrews relates what David wrote about mortal man. Why do you care about mortal man? One of these, one of the, we, we fell from being son of God to son of man. And in the New Testament in Hebrews, 
the writer then begins to give us the revelation that that was, bef- that was so that we could die, so that this body could die. The reason why it had to die so that God can give us a new one. A glorious one. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So who is this son that he's speaking about? Let's read a little bit more now in Hebrews. Again, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice how it doesn't say the power of his word. Because it's the word that has the power. The word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. You know what that brings back to mind is when they came looking for Jesus in the, in the description in John and they said, where is he? He says, I am. He, just them saying, I am. The Bible says they all fell back. That's an example of the word of his power. I am he. When he had by himself purged our sins. Now I want you to read that very carefully. This is another one you could meditate on. Because it's past tense. When he had by himself purged, past tense, our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made, now this is the reverse of the image. Now, before he was made lower to suffer death. But then on the third day, what happened? Resurrection. Glorified body. This body now is a symbol of what we're going to have. Being made now so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have, have I begotten thee. Now, that word, you know, you have some creeds nowadays that says the only begotten. They got that word in there somewhere, of the Father, full of grace and, you know, those Catholic creeds. And there's a misunderstanding of what that word begotten really means. It comes actually from the word that we get um, our genes from. It's geneo. And what it's saying is, the, this day have I created, or, or, or not created, but one of a kind. In other words, the sonship is one of a kind. It's unique. He's different in kind from the angels. They are also sons of God in that they were created. But what this is, is, is doing is elevating who the, who the human, the deity of Christ is. It says, this day have I made you unique, one of a kind. And again, I will be to him a father and he will shall be to me a son. We have the right to call him Abba. He is our father. Amen. We have the right to say our father. Angels can't say that. You ever say that when you pray? I just say Father. That's my habit of praying now. Is Unless I'm praying for someone, then I invoke the name. But if it's me personally praying, I say, Father, I've got some trouble here. I call my Heavenly Father and say, I need you right now. I need you right now. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten. And I put the, the Greek translation, it's offspring. Offspring, it means unique. Offspring, it's, this is where we get the word genetics from. We were his offspring, created in his likeness and his image. Another scripture said, created in Christ Jesus to bring forth what? Good works, good works. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, let all the angels of God worship him. Amen. Worship him. We were created to rule. The angel, Satan, stole our inheritance, stole our dominion. But we're getting it back. Hallelujah. We're getting it back. In Christ we are made new. We become a new creature. The old things are passed away. And all things are what? See, Satan came in and, and stole our inheritance. He took away the promises that were rightfully ours. And Jesus came to restore that. To show what a son of God is. He said, for I have revealed... Thy name. I have made manifest thy name. He made it clear what a son of God is going to be like. That's how we're going to be when we rule and reign. We'll be able to say to the winds and waves, stop right here. We'll be able to walk on water. We'll be able to zip from here to here. We won't need no transformer beam. Just the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. That is what Jesus came to show. I have manifested thy name. What is his name? Thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. If you could stand with me. See, this first image that we lost, we're going to be changed back to. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. What that's saying is this. God planned for there to be a son, and that plan is still his plan. It has not changed. God's plan has not changed, just like his nature. That's what it means by predestinate. That was in his mind. He had predestinated that there should, he was going to have children. They were going to be heirs and rulers and kings and priests, and that's still going to happen. But Jesus now came to restore that, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Another scripture says that he brought many sons. He suffered so as to bring many sons to glory. He's the captain of our salvation. And the perfection of the image would be, since God is love, that we are. That we by nature become love. Right? Not hate. Because what's in the world right now is all about selfishness, all the things. The Bible says that the law was fulfilled by love. Right? When you love your brother, you're not going to do bad things to him. Right? When you love God, same thing. You're not going to be disobedient. So the law was fulfilled in love. So the image, the perfection of the image is when by nature we become just like God who is love. John, 1 John 4.16, and let me read it again to end this. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Amen. So... What I want to tell you is that Satan stole our inheritance, but we're going to get it back. We're going to get it back. Hallelujah. If we will believe and if we will continue on this journey, the Bible says he has purged our sins. As I said in the example, it wasn't at the end of Jesus' ministry that the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He said it at the beginning of his ministry. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because what was going to happen was going to happen. God will take us through. He says, listen, I've lost none of them. You can make it in Christ. You can complete this Christian journey. God wants to declare his love upon you the moment you come out of the tank. Hallelujah. We're going to close this Sunday morning's first study on the image. I look forward to next week. Amen there's a lot more I want to talk to you about becoming in his image and in his likeness. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you today for speaking to us, Lord, through your word. Oh God, that you are spoken to us now, the scripture says, through your son. Lord, help us to believe that you are love and that you are right now declaring us, oh God, the object of your love so that your glory can and power can rest and remain in us, that we can be the vessels, Lord God, Hallelujah, that you can, oh God, pronounce your blessing and favor upon our lives. Lord, we lift up your name. We thank you for all that you are doing in our lives right now. Lord, we look forward to your word in our second service, that your anointing and your spirit have liberty to flow, to touch, to change, to heal, to deliver. Lord, we look up to you today, and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise offering this morning.